so i like that uh, thing of creating impact right i think if you i don't think this is a planned journey <laughs> to be honest but uh, but i do like the fact that um, you know be in a place i guess from uh, i don't know if this is advice or or uh, youngsters listening or whatever i think be in a place where where you think that the value that you add is maximum right like is really is impactful i think is what you should look for it doesn't matter it could be a small job it could be a big job it could be a a little uh, you know incubator within a big company it could be a big company where you know you're you're uh, adding value right hi welcome to forbes india's the startup fridays which are weekly conversations with accomplished entrepreneurs vc investors and other folk who are doing significant work in india's startup ecosystem you can find a new episode every friday evening You can also find us live on Instagram every Friday morning. I'm Hari Arakli and my guest today is Sunil Thomas, co-founder and executive chairman of Clevertap, which provides a software platform that a large number of brands around the world use to better engage with their customers. Sunil started out with a computer science engineering degree and then a master's degree as well. In a career that spans more than 30 years now, he's held several top jobs in technology and business in the US and back in India as well. including the roles of CTO and COO he was previously the CEO of Clevertap as well he and two of his friends Anand Jain and Suresh Kondamudi started Clevertap in 2013 in Mumbai and over the years they have expanded their operations to the biggest markets around the world along the way they have also won backing from some of the best known VC firms in the world including Axel Sequoia Tiger Global and Recruit Partners in Japan here's more from our conversation Sunil thank you so much for making time for this i know it's uh, past 9 pm there for you in california so uh, fantastic really appreciate it and welcome to the show sir no no pleasure hari thank you uh, thank you for dating me i'm an old guy as your crowds will <laughs> will realize right. but looking forward to the chat 9 pm is not late at all all right so just to get us started and for the benefit of our audience uh, maybe you could start with a simple question tell us a bit about the path that brought you to the beginnings of uh, clevertap uh, tell us uh, give us a snapshot of that journey and then let's get into clevertap itself yeah so like you said i mean i'll take you a little uh, far born and brought up in mumbai uh, i did my you know sort of first 25 years of my life in mumbai including getting my computer science uh, engineering degree uh from there um and my first job really was you know from campus uh, that was the days uh, of uh, you know everybody wanted to set up an it shop so sr you know e s s a r the big steel uh, you know um, sort of i mean big big industrial house uh, actually set up an sr in fortech limited uh, with the yeah. with the idea to you know build out software for the world etc um, and i was picked out there from campus and then it's been as traditional a journey hari for me uh, you know in my career path uh, as as it can be in the sense i was software engineer and senior software engineer and systems analyst and senior systems analyst and director of engineering you know that kind of a thing i've gone i've been lucky to be in uh, sort of you know various mixed uh, you know big and small companies so i worked at microsoft i worked at tcs uh, for a while and you know i think these things mm. these places really ground you to good fundamentals of sort of software engineering uh, and i appreciate uh, all of that stuff and then uh you know in the days when uh, uh startups were not as uh, cool or as sexy really uh, uh i yeah. left 
three same thing three friends left uh, our jobs at our cushy jobs at microsoft and and set up a small uh, company called zafire software that was my first sort of entrepreneur journey this was 1998 um and mm. uh, i mean it it didn't go very far. In about a year and a half, we were acquired by this company called Infospace in those days. Uh, now they've changed their name to Blue Cora, Naveen Jain, Fame, etc. And and then, you know, I moved to to the US uh, sort of permanently at that point in time, 99 or something. And I was with Infospace for like 10 years, including being their CTO for the last four years. And uh, on an adventure trip, decided to move back to, to India, you know, our kids and personal and professional reasons. India, obviously, professionally... Uh, my life at that stage was that half and half I had worked in the US and in India, but it was like my junior career, you know, my young career that was in India and all the senior sort of director of engineering, VP of engineering, CTO, etc. was all in the US. So I was very keen to sort of do a a, a senior professional uh, stint in India. And, you know, we had some personal mm-hmm. reasons too. Um, kids exposure, you know, my wife's parents were not doing well and so on. So it it all just worked out. And I moved to India, joined Network 18 from there, CleverTap happened. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but that's the gist of my professional career. It's as as routine and as traditional as you can, <laughs> I think, see. Mm. Tell, tell us a little bit more briefly about uh, Zephyr. I mean, uh, I guess you guys decide to turn entrepreneurs. Uh, what, you know, what made you all decide to kind of be your own masters, but of course, more of a risky venture? Yeah, so Zephyr was interesting. We were working at Microsoft, uh, you know, and 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 the whole business plan of Zephyr was actually sort of linked with uh, with Microsoft. You know, we uh, we mm-hmm. wanted to take in. You know, this was the days when Bill Gates had sent out that big, you know, the the very famous memo that the internet is important and you know that kind of a, a, a thing. And mm-hmm. and Microsoft had really started uh, a lot of investment, uh, you know, on the internet. Really, you know, the browser was coming and and really. They started building internet sites. So in those days, you know, sites like MSNBC, Expedia, uh, CarPoint, Sidewalk. Um, there was a whole bunch of like sort of these, uh, you know, internet properties that they started creating because eyeballs were important and getting audiences, you know, to your properties was important and so on. Um, so our whole sort of business plan was linked with uh, with Microsoft. And the whole idea was to sort of productize these you know, they're just created. So take Expedia, for example. Now, of course, it's an independent company, etc. But but Microsoft owned Expedia in the good old days. And this was just set up as a, um, as a website, uh, essentially, right? Um, and, and our whole business plan was to take Expedia, for example, productize it, you know, put it on a CD with a setup.exe. This was still before the days of the cloud, etc. And, uh, and so that you can then take that, you know, Expedia sort of product on a CD, um, and say install it in Singapore, in Germany, in India, whatever, and you launch these sort of properties for um, you know for these local geographies with some content integration locally that you do. Uh, so we actually you know MSNBC in India was launched in in the very early days as a beta by us. Um, news was picked as a channel, and it was it was pretty interesting. So it was in those days pretty you know advanced internet kind of productization work um, also, and 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 it was very first venture into entrepreneurship i was cto in that company and you know uh, running technology we we hired uh, you know young engineers from from recs and 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 all that and we had a small team but we we had a lot of fun uh, in the year and a half or two years that we mm-hmm. before we got acquired was this also with anand and suresh no 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 this was with a couple of other friends no this was not with anand and suresh okay. yeah 
Mm. So, so you you got acquired, and then you spent several years uh, working for Infospace. You kind of took a a break from entrepreneurship. What kind of made you stick with a corporate job rather than jumping back into the fray? No, so Infospace is it's funny, right? Uh, people say you know I spent ten years at Infospace, and you know these days that is like an incredibly long uh, period of time, and you never spent ten years yeah. at a job, etc. Right? But uh, but infospace was very very interesting and infospace actually i learned a lot over there it is a, it was a public company when i joined but it was a very small public company mm. you know it was not like the it was not like everything was figured out and you just had to double down doing the same thing like every year in order mm. to meet sort of public company uh, pressures you know quarterly earnings and results and all of that stuff we had to really scramble so every year there were new products being launched every year there was like new business ideas being uh you know being being like sort of uh, debated and and finalized and 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 it was incredible i mean our annual operating sort of a process where what do we do next year you know used to take a, almost a couple of months right october november or september october even and um and and we launched a whole bunch of new businesses because you know it was not like a very routine you know uh, same thing you have to double down and grow in geographies and things like that it had to be new products and new new businesses so so a lot of new sort of products came out some worked some didn't uh, but every year was almost like a new job in my in my thing and so the 10 years went by uh, didn't even know uh, how really it was it was very fast mm. and it was very very good all right so then you came back and uh, you you met anand and uh, suresh at network 18 did you and so i came back and network 18 acquired burp anand is a co-founder anand also worked here in the us and in fact in similar places like he was in uh, in 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 the bellevue redmond area in washington state i was there i had not met him he had worked in the bay area i had worked in the bay area a little bit and he had moved to india in 2006 uh, and founded burp Uh, so he and a co-founder founded burp and since 2006 and then you know they were running that it was like uh, you know it was cnn's best uh, cnn awarded sort of best internet site or top you know they showed up in the top 10 best internet sites uh, in in those days and so on so it was very very um, good and it was it was going on and anand then uh, you know his co-founder was were, were running it so i came to india in 2009 um join network 18 uh, my expertise was in local search at infospace so search in yellow pages white pages uh, you know this was my sort of competent views to uh, compete with yahoo and 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 you know these big sort of um, yellow pages white pages uh, kind of providers uh, uh, local search in the us that was my expertise network 18 acquired burp uh, you know in that time and that's where anand met so i was like ceo anand came in as the founder of burp this was the hot sort of exciting property that that we acquired you know very naturally sort of anand became the cto um, that team that he brought together you know with burp uh, was was talented became our engineering core um, you know at network 18 um, and and that's where that partnership uh, started uh, so anand and me literally met you know a few days or a few weeks after uh, i was in india in 2009 uh, and this was set up Suresh actually was almost a year and a half later uh, you know we were looking for uh, you know talent and and we hired Suresh who was in Bangalore actually and um, and wanted to move to Mumbai um, you know for different reasons and he was looking out for a job it, it we just sort of hired him as a um, as a senior engineering manager running some of our like platform teams or whatever so Suresh was a year and a half later 
uh, Anandan me uh, since 2009. Um, so it was a it was a fun ride, yeah. And uh, walk us through how you all thought about the clever tap idea and how. Hari, maybe on the entrepreneurship side. So even at Network Eighteen, right? We launched uh, Ask Me. Uh, so you know, we had Burp as mm-hmm. a property. We had Info Media, Yellow Pages, and we sort of made that business a little more. Uh, effective and efficient and all of that and in fact we launched uh, i mean sure it was in a big company but uh, but we are also sort of founders of uh, ask me uh, you know this was launched mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know using our database our technology uh, to compete with just dial who is who's the big you know player in that space um, and 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 we did pretty well so although under the guise of a big sort of uh, company uh, but uh, you know it was it was a fun time actually to launch and deploy ask me um, and then, you mm-hmm. know, uh, things happened in the sense that, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, within Network 18, right, multiple properties, multiple websites, multiple apps, and you know this uh, also, like, you know, Money Control, Big Site, you know, CNN, IBN, First Post, and all of that. And we were running, in in comparison, these little smaller sites, right, Burp, um, and Infomedia, and Ask Me, and all of these things were like a little uh, smaller sites. So, so, you know, in those days itself, we started thinking, you know, money control, there's like, you know, 200 million or 400 million monthly active users. I'm, I don't remember the number, so I'm just making it up. But, but you know, compared to like 4 million, right, of burp. And, and we used to think that even those brokers get hungry at lunchtime or, you know, want to have a nice dinner, right? So how do you get the right content at the right time to the right user? So this sort of became a, a, a thing. And we said, you know, we must understand our audience, you know, are the... Uh, are the is the audience of money control um, how much of overlap exists with the audience of say a Forbes 18 or a or a CNN IBN right are they the same 200 million users or are they like unique 200 plus 200 which means even money control has an opportunity to grow by exposing you know itself to to the CNN IBN users um, and so this thing kept in our mind right like understanding users and really being able to sort of segment them, understand what they do, target them with the right content has some play here. Now, uh, you know, it, it never sort of became official projects, right? Now, sure, we had a, uh, had a large engineering team and we could do some experiments and, and so on and, and management really liked it. But, but these products are hard to sort of, you know, internally uh, pull off uh, because of, you know, business, you have to, you have to do the things that business wants to do, right? And, uh, and different things happened and, and, you know, we said, you know, we'll give this a year, we'll give this a shot and we'll give this a year, this ability to um, understand users, segment them, uh, personalize, uh, you know, sort of experiences for them, message them. Um, it just seemed that it could drive more user engagement, more user attention and all of that are, uh, you know, we didn't exactly know what metrics we would change and all of that. We've grown obviously through CleverTap to understand a lot of these things, you know, through the past sort of nine years of our journey. Um, but that's how it started because there was something where 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 you if you understand users you can really uh, get them a lot more engaged. Uh, I mean the example I use is you know it's it's like your friend right. I mean if you the more you know about your best friend the more you are uh, friendly right. And even if you say meet the person or speak to your best friend from school like after an interval of two years five years it's okay. I mean, you still have a lot of context. I mean, sure, you have to catch up on the home and the family and all of that stuff. But but at least there's a lot of context that you understand just because of sort of the data that you have in your head about, about that person. Um, and if it's the same best friend and you're talking to him or her every day, like five days, you know, a week, 
then the context of your conversation is very different you can say how awesome your lunch was or you know what a, a good day you had at work or whatever it is right um, and and so it's the same person but depending on the sort of uh, when you talk to uh, the context is very different and and we thought there's a huge opportunity to do that you know do that digitally using technology uh, and that's how sort of uh, we we started this on a little bit of a hunch on a little bit of like hey there's some value here we really didn't know how it would you know sort of shape up but uh, but we thought there's something there that it's worth uh, solving mm. and and tell us about what your very first uh, product uh, was and what could customers do with it so the very first uh, so you know surprisingly the product has remained the same meaning our sort of our mm. ambition of sort of doing this holistic i mean we call it a virtuous cycle right understand your users uh, break them up into smaller groups or segments um, and then engage with them through personalization messaging etc that's been our virtuous cycle and so that they'll come back again and you can engage them again and and so on and so forth right so so more or less the product has remained the same this you know we are now calling it a retention cloud and it's obviously grown a lot but the first product was really about understanding i mean we had to build it out you know it takes time to build out these pieces um and we built like a a, a very comprehensive data platform so data we realized very quickly 3 4 months into uh, into the journey with clevertap we realized that data is going to be a key to all this right in order to understand users in order to really personalize experiences for them you have to know them inside out so we built actually a very core data platform it's 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 very purpose built for what we wanted to do we have 11 patents now pending on it it's it's really the core technology and that's really the moat uh, of our business a lot and it's this is comprehensive data layer where no matter what scale right you know we have customers who have 350 400 million monthly active users huge brands uh, and um, so every users every interaction with with the app with the website you know in granular detail we are able to store um you know in this database of ours we call it tesseract db and uh, and you're able to sort of extract and uh, sort of uh, use all that information in real time when the when like you know hari opens the app or when um you know really in real time uh, so that you can really take advantage and and personalize um, uh, like the experience so if hari likes comedy movies you know do the recommendation or the home page has a couple of recommendations of like some good comedy movies that he has not seen right which is different from the home page of like sunil and the email that hari gets or the push notification that hari gets is very different from mine because because it has a uh, knowledge of hari that's very different than 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 sunil's that's the idea so it started with analytics i guess sorry long answer to your question it started with like let's 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 capture data we built a data platform and we started like um, uh, letting our customers our early beta customers like just understand users and segment them uh, into like smaller groups mm-hmm. do, do you recall who your first customer was and and what were some of the earliest challenges in you know kind of really uh, convincing your customers to use your technology and maybe you can also talk about uh, at what point you uh, move to the cloud model and so on yeah no so luckily by the time we were always in the cloud so you know that was lucky we never went in with on prem solutions or any private cloud solutions we were always cloud uh, and and all of that the first customer was actually book my show um, and you know it was really a i mean uh, they really uh, were awesome for us you know because it was it was real data there uh, they were a huge site uh, you know um, doing sort of 
um, not only movie etc tickets but events and all of that so we just had a lot of good user data they loved the opportunity to cross sell upsell recommend movies um, understand users you know understand who buys you know four tickets every time and that's kind of a family person compared to somebody who's buying one uh, you know every time and so on right uh, the type of theaters that you that that a user visits so all of this is like real insights right like how do you uh, almost derive who are my net worth you know high net worth individuals kind of a thing right just from like one year of um, you know movie ticketing history and and it was kind of cool where where we were running sort of the early ai models and some very very early uh, predictive segmentation and all of that but but just being able to sort of uh, break down data and and see all this in a very very um, sort of an interactive fast platform um, was actually very very exciting for them they loved it and and we were extremely blessed and lucky to have it because you know having a customer of that scale uh, in the early days is just gold for any entrepreneur you know you can you can sit and build uh, as much code as you want in in the laboratories but in the labs but as long you know but but getting some real customer data to flow in uh, is just incredible and 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 i mean we really uh, i mean we, we benefited a lot lot because of that mm-hmm. and and how did the uh, axel and sequoia i think in that order how did how did that happen and i guess later on uh, recruit as well in japan and tiger global so investment hari uh, i mean uh, it's like each stage is a little different right like meaning the parameters and i'm speaking to the entrepreneurs who might be listening in etc like depending on the stage of your company the 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 criteria the evaluation criteria if you will are fairly different and and it's important for entrepreneurs to sort of understand that right like so Uh, in the very early stages like a series seed or if your first round is a series a or whatever if it, you know it's sort of the early stages it's it's a lot about sort of okay do you have a market that is interesting and are the entrepreneurs you know it's it's really a a, a test or a judgment on um, on the entrepreneurs so you know you you need like a market that is that is exciting for the investors you need entrepreneurs who they can see that are passionate and sort of will will stick at this you know for a long run Uh, and you need some early traction right like you you're having you know some customers or you're showing some uh, you know change in metrics or whatever with your with your products so you need some early traction um, yeah, but it's it's a lot of uh, the evaluation at that stage in my opinion is uh, is about like uh, the founders right so so i think that clicked i mean uh, we book my show uh, luckily was also an excel invested company we got an extremely nice warm introduction we had a great reference right there um from there we were lucky that you know we we had a little bit of inbound and 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 you know we had some competition in that round also people were uh, wanting to you know sort of invest in this and uh, we just liked excel i mean uh, they just like came across as a lot of i mean they just uh, were like replicas of us right uh, shekhar and prashant and 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 these people um, uh, at excel will really like operators before entrepreneurs later uh, and and really you know sort of this uh, humble do it uh, iterate you know we don't know all the answers but we'll figure it out kind of a so just like gelled a lot and i think they also uh, you know liked us uh, a lot in 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 that early stage once you get to series a and you know um, series b c etc the the criteria changes now it's a lot more about business actually series a um, sequoia also came in early we did not have any revenue even when we did our series a round which is actually pretty rare 
um, but but again it was it was a buy in into the into the long term sort of vision right we were building or creating a new category this kind of software that puts all of this virtuous cycle together just did not exist i mean just even today does not exist uh, in the world so so it was a category that we have, we were creating and they they liked the early traction obviously and and they also committed very very early on you know without any revenue etc to to sort of the long term vision um and you know and then you get into numbers and metrics and excel start coming in, in the series b and series c and all of that and you need to show growth and you need to show some uh, you know net retention rate for your customers and 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 low churn numbers and things like that right then later stages become a lot more about sort of business and and metrics and and a little bit of excel but the early stages are really a lot about founders and the um, and and the vision that you're able to sort of um, uh, sell or really you know commit yourselves to i think uh, mm-hmm. at what point uh, were you all thinking to yourselves that you're really onto something with your idea you uh, know and, uh, and then i guess you know in the startup world these days it's pretty popular to talk about the so called hockey stick growth and things like that so tell us about that at what point did you think that you're really onto something and when did you start really seeing that serious traction yeah that's a good question so you know the entrepreneur journey is really hard right so i think you know uh, like as entrepreneurs founders whatever you need these uh, constant uh, <laughs> like a lot of uh, reinforcements or these little milestones right that you have to um, almost you know almost really celebrate and enjoy right you can't leave them alone for the big goal because it's a hard journey and you know you, you can never almost always have a goal ahead of you right you've got to take the moments that come and enjoy them and celebrate them and all of that so i think we've had that kind of a very calm approach you know the the we had given ourselves a year to uh, you know to to get some funding and see if this is a business otherwise honestly i mean between the three founders we had decided that hey you know we will if it doesn't go anywhere for a year then we'll go find jobs for ourselves right we did not hire anybody obviously we could not i mean we didn't have any money to pay salaries and all of that stuff so it was just the three of us for uh, that had given ourselves a year uh, and we were coding it up ourselves right without any um, employees etc um, and so in about 8 or 9 months we got excel you know uh, and our seed round so that's a huge validation right like suddenly there is a okay now this thing can actually be somewhere be something right because we have external validation and so on um then you know book my show i mean even before that right book my show coming in and every time we used to visit their offices it was like you know we could see right there is something that they are like this is something valuable so so it starts with that our first customer who paid us a check was awesome right our our series a was awesome so i think you have to keep finding these moments uh, along the way but i think the first one was really maybe uh, two sets of validations one was book my show and we could just see that you know they they were uh, they could derive a lot of value they were already with our basic products that we were building but they were very excited about what's coming every day right and we could see that in their eyes or we could see that in their conversations and all of that which was awesome and then i think excel uh, which is really an external investor you know really tier 1 investor so when when some smart people sort of validate you uh, it is really good to so i think those were the early days it's all within the first Six to eight months. Even before that, actually, we got invited to the Y Combinator. You know, we had applied to the Y Combinator thing. We 
Uh, we did not finally make the batch of 50, but we we were in the in the sort of the 100 or 150 finalists in those days, right? Like who used to get invited for the on-site interview um, to Mountain View. So we made it all the way there. We did not make it to the batch, but that actually was also pretty good. I mean, we we thought we did pretty well. Um, yeah. In fact, we did not make it to the batch, and and the feedback they gave us. Uh, was really useful. We took it to heart. We changed our product actually right after uh, after their feedback, and and so I think that was also an important sort of milestone because it shaped the direction we were taking with our product because of the their insights in rejecting us. Uh, you know, so it was pretty cool actually. Mm. I mean, so if you look back at all of this experience uh, today, again, once again, after several years, there's this sense that we see money will be difficult to uh, get. Uh, so, I mean, in that context, uh, maybe you have a different perspective because of your experience. I mean, what would you have, uh, you know, to say by way of advice or just sharing your experience with aspiring entrepreneurs today when, when I guess, the so-called easy money is no longer there? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, being through these funding rounds, etc., multiple times now, I don't really think there is easy money out there now in, in comparison I understand what you're like, sort of, uh, you know, the I, I understand that the markets are a little down and, you know, sort of the, at least the the fluff is a little bit going to be significantly reduced. But I think, you know, founders are building some real business. There is really an addressable market. There's really some value that the product is going to derive. I actually don't think that VC money should dry up for that. Now, uh, mm. you know, if it is a question of like, uh, you know, you don't want to really build a business, but there's a whole, you know, you want to put up a put up a big show and say, sell it in a year or two or something like that. I think those will be much harder for, uh, you know, for investments. But I think like the focus on uh, building a real business, focus on at least in the SaaS world, you know, good unit metrics in the consumer world also, you know, focus on, you know, good customer acquisition, retention, uh, that kind of a thing that is sustainable. Um, and, you know, if you're if you're adding value to your customers, not, um, you know, sort of uh, not just quote unquote buying them right with uh, with a lot of VC funds, then I don't think it's going to be hard. I understand it. It is harder than before. And I think that's true. I mean, I do think that um, we've had a massive <laughs> period of a bull run and it's okay, honestly, that there's a little bit of a thing. But I think the founding journey uh, will become a little more uh, business oriented, which is actually a good thing. I mean, you should be building real businesses, right? Not building, uh, at least you should aim to, you should be aiming to build real businesses. And, uh, and I think it'll just make founders better. I mean, I don't think there's a lack of uh, that intention. Um, I just think it's easy. It's you. You get carried away uh, also because of uh, sort of the easy money, if you will. Money is um, never easy, though. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, it's still, <laughs> it's still, it still <clears throat> takes uh, takes time and effort and 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 energy and something real, a commitment and passion and and all of these things, right? Mm. To get somebody to write you a big check, so it's never really easy. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, you guys have persevered, and I think the evidence uh, is there, and uh, the results are there to show. And uh, so, so give us a, a sense of uh, all that you have already achieved at CleverTap so far. I mean, talk us, uh, talk to us about uh, the scale of operations. You know, the people that you your technology touches every day. Uh, uh, some maybe some uh, interesting names of customers around the world. Some of the partnerships that you have struck, and so on. 
Yeah, so, I mean, we are pretty big now. We are uh, about, I want to say, uh, give or take 600 employees globally now. We just did a, a, I mean, we recently closed a pretty significant acquisition also um, of, of, in fact, one of our uh, like competitors in the sense, but there's a lot of synergies uh, between that. Uh, but all, all in all, we are about uh, 600 employees, give or take. Uh, a lot of uh, our center of gravity is still Mumbai. Uh, all of our product and engineering teams um, are in Mumbai. The recent acquisition we did uh, has the product and engineering team in Sofia, Bulgaria, which is also very nice in the sense it strategically fits in with uh, with our uh, our business uh, metrics and and unit economics and you know all of that stuff, right? Uh, it's uh, so that is good. Um, we have about uh, 1200 plus customers we we are actually physically on close to you know our sdks like our our um, our you know sort of sdks or software development kits go into mobile apps right um, and 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 so we are on like 3 billion devices uh, today across the world uh, it's it's awesome that's that's probably a billion, you know, plus people if you just take the averages of, you know, two, two and a half devices per person kind of a thing. But it's probably a little more, which is really good. Um, large brands like, you know, uh, Gojek in Indonesia. So we, we do really well in, in the mobile first growth market. So uh, India, mm-hmm. uh, Southeast Asia, um, Latin America um, is really, really strong for us because it's all mobile first uh, kind of a thing. US and, and Europe are still huge opportunities in front of us but there's a lot of email and sort of web still there uh, and and we'll get there but you know big brands gojek in indonesia you know reliance geo misho dream 11 nika uh, mx player tata click zomato swiggy i mean uh, there's a lot of real real uh, solid brands that we um, that we uh, serve today um, and you know, are and, and adding a lot of value to to how they deal with their users. Um, so about I, I we we have uh, you know offices in seven or eight countries. We have customers in in over sort of uh, I think eighty countries or uh, probably even more. But um, but it's mm. been a good ride. Yeah, it's been a good ride, and it's uh, and we are about you know um, seventy five to eighty million dollars of uh, annual recurring revenue, and we'll. We'll cross a hundred uh, easily um, before the end of this year, so that puts us in a good sort of. Uh, I mean, it's a good scale company for SaaS coming out of India, I think, and yeah. a long way to go. I mean, this is a beginning. Uh, I mean, this is still early days in the journey. Uh, honestly, this category is still being created, so we are really excited. We just sort of publicly launched our core technology uh, out to the world. I mean, we've been using it; it's already in its third generation. But, you know, um, uh, we are sort of uh, priding ourselves uh, about bringing sort of tech, tech to MarTech kind of a thing. You know, MarTech's not really known for tech that much. Um, mm-hmm. Ad tech, for example, right? I mean, every little ad you see on anywhere on the website, right? There's a lot of AI behind it. Uh, but, you know, like what ad to show you, what targeting, how they, you know, all of that. There's a lot of sort of AI behind it. Uh, but uh, think about uh, every email you get in your inbox, right? How much AI is behind it? And it's very, very little. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very little. And it's because there's no real tech. I mean, Google and Facebook and Twitter and some of the best companies in the world are are, are building tech around ad tech and, uh, and a lot of technology 
NoSQL, a lot of these things have come about, you know, essentially by these big companies building for uh, targeting good ads. But MarTech, I mean, our user retention engagement space, there's no tech. I mean, people are using very generic databases or or the same NoSQL things. And these these things don't really scale for um, for this real-time granular data. They might be good for showing reports and analysis, but, but if you really want to change the homepage of 400 million users every time, you know, um, the games, a big cricket match is about to start or or whatever. It, it It's a whole different use case and a whole different scenario. Um, and we are really bringing or leading that uh, charge of tech into MarTech. So it's kind of cool. I mean, it's early days still for us, which is which is actually very, uh, very nice, right? I mean, it's, we know we're close. We are more, I said this recently, I mean, we are, we are closer to the beginning line uh, than the finish line really in the journey. Although it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ex- explain uh, the technology a little bit. Uh, what's at the heart of the tech that you offer today? And and I know in the past, you all have spoken about uh, how CleverTap is sort of a more holistic, comprehensive uh, approach and philosophy rather than individual point solutions. And maybe give us a sense of some of the most sophisticated ways in which your customers are using it today and maybe talk about the outcomes that they get out of it. So, you know, it's really a data platform at its core, right? And the ability of having uh, sort of uh, unlimited user data, meaning uh, across every interaction. So imagine every interaction with the app is recorded in great granular detail. Like I came on the 7th of January. I looked, I mean, just taking an example of an e-commerce site or a, or a food delivery site, right? Like I came in and I ordered some, you know, Mexican food and, you know, that was good. I came four days later and I ordered like Thai food and then I've been coming every weekend and and so on. So this history of interactions, right, builds up, whether it's an e-commerce app, whether it's a food or a, or a demand tech or an ed tech, right, or even media and entertainment. What movies are you seeing? When are you seeing? And all of these things. Do you like particular actors? So a lot of this, you can get a lot of insights by having access to all this granular data. Uh, when when emails are sent out or when push notifications are sent out or any sort of personalization happens, it's typically very, very shallow. So none of the sort of marketing automation. So if you look at like limitations in the industry today, it's around all of this. It's really around like data retention policy, right? How much data do you have access to when when you send out that email or send out that push notification? It's about speed, like how much you know, throughput can you achieve, right? When you're pushing out messages. So these are, there are very, um, use cases are very different in the mobile world, right? If I'm sending you an email in the old world, whether that email reaches you at like 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. is not really that relevant. But when Uber sends you a push notification saying your cab is five minutes away, right? That push notification should not like come after the cab has come, right? Then it's sort of pointless, right? Because that's when you wear your shoes and you probably walk down kind of a thing, right? And it's an important notification. You look for it. Um, You know, Dream 11, for example, you know, uh, before an IP, like after the toss and before the game starts, they need to, you know, they need to like sort of remind everybody to finalize their teams, right? So the teams can't be finalized, you know, before the toss because that's when the team you know, who's the playing 11 gets decided. So you literally get eight or 12 minutes to sort of reach out to, you know, I don't know, 250, 400 million uh, monthly. I don't know. The, I mean, uh, whatever their monthly, act, whatever their active users are, right? It's massive scale. So it's data retention policy, how long you have data, it's speed. 
Uh, and then it's about like how much AI and all can you run on this, right? How much insights can you generate out of all of this data? So the plat- so these are the limitations. I mean, there, there's really no technology out there and you really cannot unlock, if you will, the, the full potential if you, of your sort of, uh, of how you engage with your users if you have these limitations. So this is core technology that we've built. It's basically, you know, takes speed out of the equation. I mean, it's sort of unlimited in all angles. I mean, we have to scale it, you know, across multiple servers and all of that, but there are no technical limits in terms of how long you can retain your data for, how granular you want to get with your user data, um, how much throughput you get when you push, uh, you know, um, messages of different types and, and, and so on. So we've taken a lot of these, like pretty much all of these limitations out of technology and, uh, and that's a data platform called uh, Tesseract DB. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your own personal entrepreneurial journey. Uh, have you ever consciously thought about uh, what pushed you into being your own master into entrepreneurship? No. So, Hari, no. I mean, these are like, I, I don't know. I've always like, if you look at my career on LinkedIn or whatever also, right? I mean, I've always bounced from like a big company to a small company. Like I worked two years at Microsoft and then I joined some small thing. I, you know, I worked at HP and I joined something else. like, you know, it's always been somehow I've switched from this big company to small company thing. I think the big company, especially in the early days of your career, you sort of feel the impact is less and all of these things unconsciously, honestly, I didn't really sit out to be honest and say that, Hey, I will, you know, become an entrepreneur or anything. It was honestly not like that. Uh, but the big company thing, especially in your early career, I think sort of uh, you feel impact is 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 not as much or you could do a lot more, but you don't, you know, have some of the opportunity to do it or whatever. Right. I think. And so I've always looked after a big company stint for a smaller company where you can actually make a lot more impact. Uh, at least you feel that way um, and so on. So I've switched to big company, small company. Infospace was unique because it is kind of entrepreneurial. Like I said, every year is different and it is a lot of fun. Um, Network 18 also is fairly entrepreneurial in the sense, you know, brand new business, brand new properties, um, you know, new, you know, sort of new launches and all of that stuff. So, so I like that uh, thing of creating impact, right? I think if you, I don't think this is a planned journey, (laughs) to be honest, but, uh, but I do like the fact that, um, you know, be in a place, I guess, from, uh, I don't know if this is advice or, or uh, youngsters listening or whatever. I think be in a place where where you think that the value that you add is maximum, right? Like is really um, is impactful, I think is what you should look for. It doesn't matter. It could be a small job. It could be a big job. It could be a, uh, a little, uh, you know, incubator within a big company. It could be a big company where, you know, you're, you're uh, adding value, right? Like, uh, and creating a lot of impact. So I don't think, you know, I've never been driven by sort of designations and levels and things like that. I've always somehow been personally motivated and driven by um, by in- impact only. And I think that sort of then mm. tends to lead you to to more entrepreneurial journeys, I guess. Mm. What what was uh, growing up in Bombay like? And, and, and I ask this in the following context. I mean, from a professional context, when you look back, what are your earliest memories of the biggest influences, whether it's parents or teachers or others, which looking back, you feel had a bearing on your career? I mean, I love Bombay. I think it just, you know, it's one of those things that I think readies you a lot more for life than you think it does, uh, kind of. I think born and being brought up in Mumbai, I used to, I remember 
fourth or fifth standard in school we used to take the bst bus for a you know kilometer or two and drive and and sort of go to bus me and my friend uh, and i mean it was a kilometer and in fact that 50 paise we used to get one rupee i remember this still because 50 paise was the ticket one way ticket and we used to get a rupee in the morning um, every day uh, from our home and 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 we used to run in fact to save that 50 paisa so on the way back we could walk and you know have kulfi and there was a little like a foosball uh like a little parlor of those days you know where you get like play a couple of games of foosball and have some kulfi and walk back and all of that so you know this is fourth standard fifth standard like i don't think these experiences are uh, common and 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 so on so so i feel bombay i love bombay even now i visit bombay i mean because now of course even for professional reasons right i'm there four or five times every year uh, for work um I just love the energy. I just love the city. I don't think I can be in any other city uh, in India, uh, really, from a living point of view. When we moved back in two thousand nine, we could have gone to any city. I mean, we we didn't have any. Um, I mean, except for uh, both me and my wife have been born and brought up in Mumbai. But uh, so there was that connection. But really, we could have gone by the job. I I didn't come looking for a job in Bombay. I was like okay with whatever uh, you know, whatever the best opportunity was, kind of a thing. but finally we picked bombay and happy for it um, so i think bombay uh, readies you a lot more than for life uh, in general which is a very good thing uh, in fact when the kids were born part of the reason why we moved back to india was actually exposing the kids a little bit when we moved in 2009 i have twins who just turned 18 actually a couple of weeks ago uh, but a week or so ago actually very nice uh, but they were five and a half years and we were up in uh, seattle bellevue washington which is a very small city and uh, sort of a, a little bit of a bubble right and we used to wonder even in those days when the kids were five uh, years old but we were still dragging them around for everything and you know it was like there was no exposure except for our friends that we were meeting and their kids and so on or it's all these formal play dates and things like that So that was part of the personal reason, also, where we were talking between me and my wife a lot. Should we move to a big city like New York or whatever if we want to sort of get a little bit of that exposure? But uh, but India and especially Bombay turns out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. What did your parents do? My dad is actually a, was a banker, so he has had like you know sort of two jobs in his life. He was at the Reserve Bank of India. uh and then you know the idbi was sort of a, a you know came out of reserve bank in that sense so he was idbi for many many years executive director etc and then he founded so idbi sort of founded this uh, institution called care uh, care you know it competes with crisil and they do the ratings and all of that so he was the first managing director actually he has that uh that you know he was he was the head of care um, sort of incubated by idbi and then you know kids me i have a younger sibling uh, who's also in san francisco so we moved out and then dad sort of took early retirement he reads and writes a lot now they moved to cochin uh, and enjoying life actually there Uh, but to your question, I mean, that's been a lot of uh, a lot of my early inspiration in just uh, like the professional sense in in just how he used to conduct himself at at work and and life and and all of that stuff. All right, a uh, couple of last questions as we're nearing the end of our time, uh, and and a bit of a standard question as well. You already mentioned how you know by way of advice, be in a place where you can add value. So maybe you just want to extend that and. If you look back uh, so far, uh, what would you say are the top two or three lessons from your own experience? Oh, towards adding value, yeah, I think. Uh, um, I mean, overall, overall from overall from your career, 
both both in corporate jobs and as an entrepreneur what what would you say are the top 3 takeaways i think i mean learning is my first thing i think the moment you reach a job where you think you figured it out or you have it now it's done and sort of a thing i think you're like sort of you know you, it's all downhill from there i think so uh-huh. i think having an open mind to learn even if you are like in the same job for like you know many years or many months or whatever the standard is these days uh, i don't think you ever learn uh, a job right like i mean you you've got to drive yourself so i think learning and being open to learning every day every minute i mean it's a it's a biggest cliche but it's it's a it's an important thing because you can't sit back and relax and i think then that's the end of it really so i would say the top thing is learning for me um, second thing is you know i think there is a lot of patience that has helped in many ways like uh, um, and you know i know that these are the days of very instant gratification and everybody wants it quickly and in 6 months i've figured this out and i need my next job and you know it's it's that kind of a world of a little bit of a rat race but i do think patience has its virtues uh, i remember being uh, uh you know sort of um, uh, stepped over i mean like uh, like my peer became cto uh, before uh, like you know when when both of us were competing right and and actually not cto i beat but to vp of engineering there was one position and you know i sort of got i i came in second right i did not make that position and at infospace and you know and and that was a that was one of those things right where i thought you know i'm the big stud then i should have and you know whatever and uh, but and i could have easily quit or gone away or whatever right but uh, but then not only did i make vp but i made cto also much you know that's the only one cto right you still have you know five or eight vps right so so i think there's a little bit of patience and there's a little bit of like context to everything and it's important to understand it's not easy to um, it's not easy but i do think uh, learning and sort of having a virtue of uh, patience and perseverance uh, and resiliency a little bit it's sort of all the same thing to me but uh, is is very important i think especially entrepreneur journeys are very hard i mean it's 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 every day can be a down day uh, you know you have some incredible highs but you also have incredible lows and it's very hard right especially if you're a solo entrepreneur again i've been very very lucky anand suresh and me right that we are three um that really helps uh, because you know uh, solo i don't know if i'll i'll ever be able to pull that sort of a hard journey off uh, i think even a pair is hard in the sense that you know um, you know both can be down or if you have a fight then you know it's it's like one against the other i think 3 is a magic number again it's not by plan but it just so happened i think 3 is a magic number where where if two are down the third is still there you know if we are worst case scenario we can vote on on a decision it's always two is to one uh, and and you know i think there is something uh, that we've been lucky with some of these things right uh, but it's a hard journey so especially in an entrepreneur journey i think uh, patience is important uh, and you just got to sort of bide your lows uh, and and be patient and resilient enough to do that Mm. that is in fact my uh, next question uh, tell us about uh, the worst low and the biggest high so far i think again if i'm looking for the biggest high i think i would be not a happy person hari i think uh, i think the highs you got to take them as they come and there have been incredible highs right i mean even founding clever tap uh, getting funding even in just the clever tap journey right uh, i think th- these are just highs that are uh, that are there all the time but you got to pause and you got to like take them in as highs i think that's important uh 
Lows, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, the professional lows, of course, you know, uh, missing some projects, like I said, you being superseded for promotions and things like that have been the professional lows, really. Um, uh, and I mean, I, there's nothing that like, you know, uh, nothing that really it's hard. But again, these are daily lows and daily highs that you got to just sort of go through, right? COVID was an exceptionally hard phase for clever tap honestly because you know we were uh, a, a fast growing company so if you think about 2020 uh, you know we we didn't have a lot of like standard operating procedures not everything was like written down policy and all of these things right when we have a problem we used to sort of get into a war room and you know with some smart people and solve the problem whether it's an engineering production issue whether it's like how to acquire the next big client or filling up an rfp or whatever the problem is right so we were very much a war room mentality, iterate and solve problems kind of a mentality. And suddenly like this ability to meet uh, shut down and sure, you know, we all have had laptops, so it, nothing like that way changed. But I do think that that whole phase was extremely hard because we lost this sort of human um, connection. I think that is like recently, um, I mean, a low period, if you will, it's not like a day that is low, but I think those first six to eight months, although work, remote work and all was not a problem. But I do think that was a uh, sort of a very hard time for uh, for me personally or for us at Levitab because of that sort of human energy um, quotient that we just somehow, I mean, it was all artificial somehow. Okay, let's let's end with one uh, sort of forward-looking uh, view. Bring it back to Clevertap. Uh, if you all, I'm sure you all brainstorm about the Clevertap of the future. And of course, uh, I know there's so many factors that, you know, that will change and so on. But in in your mind, in all of your minds, especially the founders, um, if you look at the clever tap of 2030, say, uh, what is it that you're envisioning as of today? I think that's a hard question. We don't look so far ahead. But uh, no, no, I think, I mean, clever tap, we are in a great position. I think we, if you fast forward, say 10 years from now, or like, you know, eight years, even 2030, I think we have the opportunity here to be um, really a category creator of some unique software in the world. Like, you know, we've now calling ourselves a retention cloud. So retention cloud means it has all the pieces of software that you need for user retention. Starts with understanding, starts with, you know, segmentation, the data layer, engagement, ability to send messages across 12 or 15 channels even today, right? Personalization, can I change the homepage for every user so that it's unique for that user? a b testing um, you know live operations so everything that you need which is multiple products today and they don't really you know talk to each other and it's it's just a hodgepodge right um, and if you're able to create this category i think that's 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 huge and that will uh, give us a real sort of world uh, you know global dominant position so i think uh, you know i don't really we don't honestly conjure or talk a lot about sort of outcomes. I think outcomes, I mean, everybody's asking about IPO and things like that. I think those are outcomes along the way. Sure, if, if it makes the most sense to to go for an IPO, we will. But at the same time, if it doesn't, you know, we won't, right? Like, so I think that's all part of the thing. But it's a very, uh, it can be a very, very nice, profitable business. We were cash flow positive all through 2021. Uh, total investment, you were talking about investments a little bit. The total investment in Clevertap uh, from VCs has been $76 million, which we've converted essentially to sort of more than that in, in ARR. Uh, and we still have like sort of $35 million, you know, sort of in the bank. 
so we are uh, you know it's a very sustainable and a and a good business that can actually create a lot of value for all employees and shareholders and all of that stuff so i think it's a it's a it's a legacy that can be good we have a lot of work we have to put our heads down and execute like it's day one still uh, but it's exciting actually fantastic sunil wonderful conversation uh, don't know how the one hour went off uh, and thank you so much again for making time at 9 pm your time uh, truly enjoyed it sir and definitely hope to keep the conversation going it's a pleasure very thank you for your time and and, and effort the first time i did this instagram thing it, it worked i'm happy about that <laughs> to start with <laughs> all right so that was uh, sunil thomas uh, co-founder and executive chairman at clevertap that's it for this week startup fridays and uh, i will be back with another edition uh, episode uh, next week uh, whatever you've been watching us and listening to us i hope you are staying safe and doing well have a wonderful friday and a great weekend ahead 